Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, some people are in love with money. To acquire wealth, they'll do almost anything. Break any law, hurt any person. They've made wealth or money their god. It's the center of their lives. Other people love power. To attain it and to retain it, they'll do almost anything. Break any law, hurt any person. They've made power their god, the center of their concern. Other people love pleasure, the pleasures of the body. To get it in its various forms, they'll do almost anything, break any law, hurt any person. They've made pleasure their God, the center of their lives. These are all classic alternatives to the true good. Friends, the central message of the Bible is there's one true good, God alone. You shall worship the Lord your God. Him alone shall you adore. Well, that command is right at the heart of the whole enterprise. What it means is there's nothing other than the true God that should be the center of your life. It means that all the things I've just mentioned, when they function that way, are idols, false gods. And what we give them when we make them the center of our lives is idolatry, false worship. Now, there's one more classic alternative to the true God, and it's the topic, really, the subject matter of our readings this week. Honor. Some people could really care less about money. They're not into wealth. They could care less about power. Power is not their thing. They could care less about pleasure. In fact, they're willing to give up all kinds of pleasures. But what they want, what they're hungry for, the center of their life, is honor. To be admired, to be the center of attention, to be in the spotlight, everyone looking at them. Oh, for some people, this is the intoxicating good. And for that honor, they will do almost anything. They'll break any law, hurt any person to attain that spotlight. They've made fame or honor their God. You know, you can see it very clearly up and down the literature of the world. You know the movie that just came out a few months ago, Troy, of course, based on the great um, Iliad of Homer? Well, the main characters in that story are obsessed with this. Sure, for them, pleasure is important and wealth to some degree and power and all that. Sure. But for the central characters, especially Achilles, the hero of the poem, 
Honor is what it's about. To be remembered. To be sung by future generations. To be glorified. That's what it's all about. Oh, and Achilles, he's willing to put up with almost anything to attain that great goal. Can you see it today? All over the place. Look at most politicians. Look at most people in the public eye. You know, you can see this hunger and thirst for fame, glory. Like those other false gods I mentioned, it's obviously a false god because it's finite. It's not the ultimate good. But what can we say about it more precisely? Why is glory or honor such a fleeting, insubstantial thing? First of all, for those who are addicted to it, their lives are utterly in the control of other people. To be in love with honor is to be almost completely unfree. You see what I mean? Because your joy, your joy depends upon the fickle, fleeting approval of the crowd. You can't determine your life. You can be doing the best things, you know, achieving the best things. But if the crowd doesn't like you, you're not happy. You could be doing the worst things that are damaging to you and others, but if the crowd likes you, hey, you're all right. The point is, you are utterly in their hands, under their control. And Christians, let's be honest about this. Is the crowd very good at honoring the right people? <laughs> Not in my experience. Once in a while, so like a Mother Teresa, okay, she was honored. Good. The crowd showed good taste, good judgment. But 99 times out of 100, who gets honored? Who gets admired? The very worst people. <laughs> you know, the very worst people. And those who are truly good, truly righteous, truly full of love, truth, and devotion, those people are often ignored by the crowd. So when you put your life in the hands of the admiring, fickle crowd, You've placed authentic goodness way down the pike. You put your, hands, your life in the hands of very dubious people. Something else now that Thomas Aquinas saw about honor, honor in itself adds not one iota to your life. Here's what I mean. You're honored by the crowd. You're admired. Okay, they think highly of you. You're in the spotlight. Does that add one ounce to the substance of your life, to your own goodness, to your own truthfulness, to your own righteousness, your own integrity? No, it adds not one ounce to it. Honor is simply a form of indicating it's pointing to something or someone saying, hey, that's worth looking at. That's why, by the way, the church honors the saints. Good. The church points to the saints and says, yeah, admire them, imitate them. But in itself, admiration, honor, glory, it adds nothing substantial to you. Look at it this way. Suppose you are at home and you are reading a good book and you're taking in the truth of it, and you're savoring it in the quiet of your room. There's not one soul noticing you. Christians, there is more value in that simple moment than in the plaudits of a million people. 
The whole country knows about me. The whole country admires me. So what? There's more value in that simple act of reading a book and taking its truth. Suppose you're looking out at a beautiful sunset. You're admiring the countryside and you're exulting in God's beauty. No one notices you. Not one soul is paying one bit of attention to you. There's more truth and value and goodness in that simple act than in the admiration of a million people. You are helping a kid with his homework, doing a simple act of love, one of the corporal works of mercy. No one notices you. No one sees you. No one admires you. There's more truth and substance and being in that than in the cheers of a million people. Honor adds nothing substantial to your reality. So what do we do when we find ourselves addicted to this false god? And a lot of us do. It's a common human problem. The readings now tell us, and it's really beautiful. Listen now from the book of Sirach. It's our first reading. Conduct your affairs with humility, and you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. Humble yourself the more, the greater you are, and you will find favor with God. There's that word, humility, humility. They asked Augustine one time, what are the three most important things in the spiritual life? He responded, humilitas, humilitas, and humilitas. Humility is it. You see, the word means, it comes from the word humus, meaning the earth. To be humble is to be connected to reality. And that's why I used those examples a few minutes ago. To live humbly is not to live in like some kind of exaggerated false humility. It means to live close to the substance of things, close to the truth of things, to be an earthy, substantive person. That's what it means to be humble. Forget this whipped cream of glory, this, this decorative stuff that's not very good for you, and live in touch with the simple reality. That's humility. And in that lovely little detail, humble yourself the more, the greater you are. Terrific, isn't it? Terrific. The author of this, of this book knows that the greater you are in the eyes of the world, the more you will always feel this temptation toward honor. So what do you do? He's suggesting bend the stick backward the other way. In other words, the greater you become, the more admired you are, the more humble you should be. Don't give in to this sort of siren song. And now listen to the gospel. It's one of the great parables of Jesus, and it's right on this theme. We know it well. When you're invited by someone to a wedding party, do not sit in the place of honor in case some greater dignitary has been invited. Then the host might come and say to you, make room for this man, and you'd have to proceed shamefacedly to the lowest place. What you should do when you've been invited is to go and sit in the lowest place. Now, it's, it's wonderfully contemporary, this story. Have we seen this scene? <laughs> I see it all the time. Now, rare is the person who's as kind of awkward as the character in the story, 
who simply goes right there and sits in the highest place. But friends, whether you're at a board meeting, you're at a faculty meeting, if you're in an academic environment like I am, whether you're at a cocktail party, whether you're in the halls of Congress, whether you're in your place of business, this goes on all the time. People who are in love with honor will jockey for position. Again, not as boldly as this man does. But with all of our subtle games learned over a lifetime, we jockey for the highest position. So the most important people will notice us, that we might be admired by the crowd. Jesus says, do just the opposite. Especially if you have this problem, bend the stick the other way. Move in the opposite direction. Jockey instead not to be noticed. Oh, now, now listen, I know people listening to me right now, people listening to me right now who are honor junkies, this is hard stuff. I know it's hard stuff. It's like someone who's addicted to food being told not to eat. Like someone addicted to drugs being told don't take drugs. If you're addicted to honor, the Lord says, go out of your way not to be honored. Sit in the lowest place where no one recognizes you. And that way you begin to rest your soul from the grip of this addiction. Friends, when you're free from this addiction, now you can live not in this gassy, insubstantial world of honor and fame, the fickle approval of the crowd, but now you can live in the truth of things. You can live in the dense reality of things. You see how both the author of Sirach and the Lord Jesus are trying to get us out of this fantasy world and to live in the real world. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.